That's kind of interesting. I mean, we got water up front, and they're singing about cool, clear water. Wow. You'd often wonder, maybe the Lord's in all this stuff. All right, Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 tonight. I heard something over there. I thought maybe it was a robot, and I thought I would communicate with it. You got to understand, I haven't, I, I don't know. You know, I ate lunch at Sam's Club today, okay? So just so you know, right? That's it. I, I had that pizza. You can't beat it, by the way. Now, I'll tell you what, the one in North Canton's just a little out of control. You go up there and there's all these old people there. And all of us young people are trying to get in line. Right? Young people? Man, it's packed. You get a pizza, what is it, $2 and... 50 cents or something like that for a pizza combo. 
big piece of pizza like that and a big drink. $1.35 if you want the hot dog combo. Can't beat that. That's a quarter pound dog, by the way. So I ate there for lunch after I preached over there. I had, you know, figured I better get in there. And then I bought an Ohio State shirt. It was on sale for 10 bucks. Yeah, one of those ones you got, Josh. One of those real nice ones. You probably paid 30 for it. I got it for 10. So anyway, it was a good afternoon. Very productive. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, my mind's a little bit burnt out, okay? So we're going to have to get some cool, clear water down there. Maybe get a little flush it out. But anyway, here we go. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. <clears throat> Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. Father, we ask, Lord, you'd speak to our hearts tonight, and Lord, may you just begin to... Uh, just, um, just begin to move and work in a way that will tear down some of the preconceived ideas, possibly, maybe even just some worldly philosophies that have crept into our hearts and our lives. And Lord, help us to recognize and realize how important and essential it is that we follow the Word of God as it is outlined even here. Dear God, we need you. We are anything but perfect. We are even at our very best, we are so miserably short of your standard. And we ask that you would just help us tonight to focus our attention on you and your word. Lord, we're just works in progress. You said you began a good work in us. You'd perform until the day of Jesus Christ. Well, we know he hasn't returned yet. And so you're still working on us. Lord, please don't quit on us. Lord, help us never to quit on you. Now, Father, I pray you'd fill me with your Holy Ghost and allow me to be your mouthpiece, and I pray that you'd be with every listening ear that we may hear with spiritual ears. We need your presence, your power tonight. We've wasted our time because, Lord, I have nothing to give this thy people except you give it to me first. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. When we think about making a cake, it requires some key ingredients. I know that every person here that bakes would probably say, well, mine's a little bit different, but let me just give you a few ingredients that are necessary and needful in a cake. One, you're going to need a cup of, well, if you want a good cake, probably white sugar. I don't know. Is there any other kind anymore? Is there a dark sugar now? You know, whole wheat sugar? <laughs> Gluten-free sugar? I I'm not sure. I don't know. Is there? Yeah, see, somebody knows. There is. See? There you go. Okay, so let's just assume for now we're all normal. And uh, <laughs> Mrs. Becker can handle that. By the way, she's going to be going to see her son on the mission field, right? All right, that's what I like to hear. That'll be fun. You guys are going to have a great time there. But nonetheless, we have that cup of white sugar. Then we have a half cup of unsalted butter. Hmm. I don't know who in the world, this must have been a healthy uh, version. But anyway, two large eggs. 
two teaspoons of vanilla extract, one and a half cups of all-purpose flour. Okay, whatever flour you want. One and a third cup teaspoons baking powder, and then a half cup of milk. Now, those are just some basic things. Now, again, I know everybody in here has got their own method, and you may change it up a little bit and do some, but there's, there's some key ingredients that are absolutely necessary if you want to bake a cake. It requires these key ingredients. A good cake, like a good life, demands certain ingredients. In Proverbs chapter 4, verses 23 through chapter 5, verse 2, Solomon is listing some key ingredients of a good life. Some necessary ingredients that we must have or possess in order to enjoy a good life. Now I'm sure that in the crowd, every one of us wants a good life. Nobody wants a bad life. I mean, oh, I hope I have a bad life. Nobody says that. We all want a good life. The problem is sometimes is we're not employing the proper ingredients in our daily life. And as a result, the outcome isn't what we intended it to be or what like it to be. But the fact is that the Word of God gives us some key ingredients to having a good life. And so over the next few weeks, I want to talk about some of those key ingredients. And so the first key ingredient, the first one is a clean heart. If you want to have a good life, you need a clean heart. Look at what it says in Proverbs 4, verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now we ask the question, well, what is the heart? What's the heart? And someone says, well, it's that organ in your body that pumps blood through it. You would be correct in one sense, but biblically that's not really the organ that God's speaking about. It's something else. As a matter of fact, what it is, is it's a symbol of our hidden inner life. It's the root of our being and the source of our attitudes and behaviors, how it's looked upon. Now, I understand too that the heart really is another word to say really for the believer, the mind. We understand that, right? But biblically, it uses the word heart. And when it says here, it says, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life, it's talking about that symbolic aspect of, of a hidden inner life, uh, the root of our being, the source of our attitudes and our behaviors. In Proverbs 23, 7, the Bible says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. If we could truly uncover your heart, if you could truly uncover my heart tonight, you would truly know who I am. I would truly know who you are. So if I can truly uncover your heart, if I could really see it unveiled and uncovered for what it truly is, I would know you like never before. You say, ah, I wouldn't want you to know that part. Right? You know what I'm saying, right? But that's what the Bible's teaching us. Therefore, above all else, then, we must guard the heart. We've got to guard the heart, then. If it is at the root of our being, if it is really the thing with, from which flows everything else, our attitude, our outlook, our actions, 
then we better guard that thing seriously. Matter of fact, the Bible says we're to keep the heart. Okay, notice, keep thy heart. Keep thy heart. What's it mean to keep? It means to hold or to retain in one's power or possession. It means you don't lose it then. You don't lose or part with it in any way. We think about keeping a house or keeping a car. It means it's in our possession. We're not getting rid of it. We're keeping it. And in this case, we're we're keeping the heart. We're protecting the heart even in that sense. We're we're retaining it in our power, in our possession. We're ensuring that it is guarded. And he says not only that we're to keep the heart, but he goes on to say we must keep it with all diligence. I mean, there's no doubt that if you have anything worth having, somebody wants it. If you're going to keep it, then you're going to have to retain it. You're going to have to to ensure you hold on to it, and you're going to have to be diligent. I remember years ago at the house I used to live in when, when my, I was living at my parents, right? I'm talking about over in the, uh, the Ellet area, and it, it, and it was a good neighborhood to grow up in, a wonderful neighborhood to live in. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but I still remember we had these bikes, and I may have told you about it, but we had purchased these bikes. We had these bikes. They were nice bikes, and we kept them in our garage. Well, as the time went on, we'd park them outside and out front and so forth and so on, and pretty soon, all of a sudden, one day, they came up missing. Not a good neighborhood, mind you. I mean, I mean, nobody would have thought somebody else was told. They'd have thought maybe our house, the boys in our house would have done that. But not those other kids. They came up missing. Man, I wanted to keep my bike, but I wasn't diligent enough, was I? Obviously, I left it unguarded. I left it unattended to. And it came up missing. You say, well, nobody should have done it anyway. If you have something someone wants, if you're not careful... It can come up missing. You're going to have to guard it, and you're going to have to guard it with all diligence. Diligent meaning care or heed or heedfulness. Constant effort to accomplish what is undertaken. I've made up my mind. I'm going to keep that. I'm going to protect that. I'm going to ensure that it's mine and in my possession Then I must diligently keep it. So we have to protect our heart from any and all pollution, any and all corruption, And our world, let's be honest, is a cesspool of iniquity and the forces of evil continually tempt us every day to drink of its waters. Every single day. We cannot allow ourselves to take into our mind and into our bodies that which is corrupt, that which will destroy. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. See, the heart is a wellspring of life. If we pollute the well spring at the source, if you will, the infection is only going to spread. And before long, those hidden appetites will become open sins. And those open sins will become public shame. It's just the way it goes. Today, right in front of you, I've got this. Everybody's asking, what's all, what's all that about? I was telling uh, some of the kids, I said, you know, this is for an illustration like it is in junior church. And the fact is, is that I have, uh, I, I, I have water here, but then I also, just so you know, I have Diet Coke. I, there was, I could have used Coke, but Coke's really good. Diet's terrible. So I went ahead and used the diet. Okay? 
Right. So anyway, there it is, all right? So here, here we go. Okay, so here it is. Um, this craft, let's turn it this way because there's a little blemish right there. Okay, so right there, we got this craft, right? And um, it's filled with what? Clear water. And, and, and it's, you know, there it is. It looks pretty good. It looks pretty satisfying. And you know what? I've got some other glasses around here, of course. I've got three more glasses with clear liquid. I've got three here with some uh, darker liquid. And let's just assume for just a moment, this represents our heart, of course. And, and, and this opening here represents our eyes and our ears. You want to get something into the heart, you just see something. You hear something. Now, there's other forces we understand. There are five senses. I get all that. But I'm going to focus on hearing and seeing just for the sake of the illustration. So you're going to hear and see things. Here is where it enters into the heart at the top of this craft. And so we have here these different glasses of water. First of all, this represents the Word of God or the Bible, or Bible doctrine. Listen, let me tell you something. It's important that we fill up with the right things. And one of them is the Word of God or Bible doctrine. Bible doctrine is nothing, nothing more than just biblical teaching. But it has to be biblical. It's not what I decide is Bible. It's not what I determine to be truth. It's what God's Word says is truth. So I take that and I go ahead and I see it, I hear it, and it goes into my heart. I have this other one right here. It represents the word that I commit to memory. We have a memory program and a memory plan here. Why do we do that? Because thy word have I hidden mine heart that I might not sin against me, against thee. How shall the young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. I mean, here it is with the word of God that's memorized, the word of God that I'm ingesting or taking in, digesting. I'm walking, looking at it. I'm listening to it. And then in my, 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 my mind's eye, I'm continually, consistently seeing it and hearing it over and over and over again. And it's just added to my heart. It makes its way into my heart. Then I've got this over here, this third one. It represents those things that are honest, that are just that are pure, that are lovely, that are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what? Think on these things. How many times do we find ourselves not thinking about the right things? I'm not just talking about wicked, sinful, lustful, or sensual things. I'm talking about even attitudes toward people. We're bitter, we're angry, we're hateful. Hey, we can't dwell on those things. We can't think of those things. We have to confess them, forsake them, and move on. But what happens is sometimes uh, if we're not careful, we find ourselves consumed in the mind with the wrong kind of thoughts. Hey, he says, think on these things. And as we think on them, all they do, wow, they just continue to just add to the purity and, uh, of the heart. It's a wonderful thing. But hold on a second. Not everything that's in the world is positive or affects us in a positive way. We want a good life, so we're going to have to take the right steps. We've already looked at some of these. We said, oh, wait, the, the Word of God and, and biblical doctrine, oh, that won't hurt you. That only keeps you pure. I mean, we've already said, well, wait a second, commit the word of God to memory. Oh, that's only going to make you pure. 
And it's going to cause you to grow in purity and grow in holiness and grow in faith. Thinking on those things. You think on the right thoughts. It only helps you to grow. Increase in faith and increase in, in, in purity. But hold on, there's some other things here. For instance, this represents the world's philosophies. I mean, we could go down a list of world philosophies that, sadly enough, believers, if we're not careful, are, are buying into. I recently read a, um, I, I was given by someone, I can't remember now off the top of my head, but I was given a bulletin of a church, I might have mentioned this already, who was addressing and dealing with the fact that they must be more inclusive with all gender types and all, basically, lifestyles. That they cannot, they don't feel that as a church, to demonstrate the love of Christ, you would never exclude people from service or even from the ministry. We're not just talking about attending church. We're not talking about putting them in earshot of truth. We're talking about excluding them from preaching, from being involved in the Sunday schools and teaching your children. I mean, that is a worldly philosophy, folks. That is not a biblical mentality. Hey, we are to love everyone, but we are to be very, very cautious and careful what doctrine or beliefs we espouse. We're to follow and commit ourselves to the cause of Christ. And so here we have some philosophies of the world, and we start to add those little by little. Hmm. It's not too bad. I mean, it's certainly muddying the water, though, isn't it? And then we take a little bit of extra things. We see some other things. We have physical or, or the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. Well, let's, let's be honest. Those exceed and they go further than just sensual things in that sense. Hey, listen, we can lust after material things. Someone says, well, I don't have a problem with those kind of lust. I have a problem with if you lust after anything that is, that, that, that is unscriptural and it doesn't align with the Word of God, then, then it's the same principle. It may not be the same thing, but it's the same principle. It's only going to eventually start to corrupt. We're, not adding, to, we're adding to the heart, but it's not adding to its purity anymore, is it? It's no longer adding to purity. Now it's corrupting it. And as we put that dark liquid in there, it begins to muddy that water. It wasn't as bad at first, but it's only getting worse and worse. And that's the thing. Sometimes we add just a little bit here and there, and we think, well, I go to church, and I read my Bible, and I pray, and I'm trying to do everything right, but then there's certain areas of my life that I'm just feeding the flesh, and I'm uh, looking at the wrong things sometimes, or I'm listening to the wrong stuff. I'm hanging with the wrong crowd. And, and whether we like it or not, it is affecting our heart. For out of it, remember, are the issues of life. Keep it with all diligence. Hold on. It, it, it doesn't end sometimes. I mean, this could represent a heart of rebellion. Whether it's a rebellious at work or rebellious in the home or rebellious toward parents. I mean, rebellion toward God. Boy, I'll tell you what, that's not something that's going to be uh, sitting well. Better stop right there. Because rebellion's so bad, I don't even want to add it all. 
I just want you to see that. This is what we're dealing with, and this is what Solomon is trying to help us with, or the psalmist. He's trying to let us know, you've got to keep your heart with all diligence, because out of it are the issues of life. The fact is, is that whatever we see, whatever we hear, it goes in to the eye gate, the ear gate, and it ends up where? The heart. It's so important that we understand that. Hold on. You know, if we're not careful, we look at that long enough, we begin to start thinking that's normal. And we look at the lives of other people and we think to ourselves, well, we're a lot alike. When I compare myself to others, I see myself and I say, well, I'm not so bad compared to them. Right? I mean, that's really how we do view life. More than we'd like to ever admit, we look at other people and think, well, I'm just as good as them. I go to church as much as they do. I'm sure I read the Bible as much as they do. I'm sure I listen to the Word of God as much as they do. I serve in the church as much as they do, or maybe more. And you know what? I know that I've got this heart of corruption a little bit. I know I've fed the flesh some, and I know that through the eye gate and the ear gate, I'm looking and listening to things I shouldn't, and it's affecting my heart because I hear how I talk to others. I see my attitude toward others. I'm always on edge. I'm angry sometimes. All it takes is a little bit to put me over the edge. I know there's a problem, but it's not that big a deal because I'm no worse, no better than anybody else. Hold on. That, that, see, that's how the devil gets us going. But see, here's the reality. This is what's happening. I mean, look at that. See, God's standard is over here, a pure heart. It's a pure heart. And yet we find ourselves in that condition. And we begin to accept it because it's normal. But that's not normal. And that's why the the psalmist is saying, listen, you want a good life? Then you're going to have to do things God's way. You're going to have to guard that heart. First and foremost, you have to have a clean heart. The heart must be right if the life is to be right. We understand that the heart must be cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ and ultimately indwelt by the Holy Ghost. We know this in salvation. We understand that's the step. But hold on. The fact is is that even after we've made that decision, the heart must be kept with all diligence. It's got to be protected with the breastplate of righteousness. Over in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, the Bible says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. There has to be this guarding, there has to be this protection that's put in place. And can I tell you, the only way we truly protect our heart is by allowing the Word of God to come between us and the world in which we live, and between the thoughts that we have in our mind. You've got to saturate yourself with truth. You've got to really allow God to just fill you with. We've got to take those clear cups of water that we just talked about, and we need to just keep dumping them in. Because the fact is, is that corruption is going to leak into our lives, whether we like it or not, and it's only going to continue to corrupt. And we've got to make sure that we dilute it to the point where it has no real effect or no way of truly binding us. It's going to get in our lives. 
You can't drive down the street without seeing things you shouldn't see. You can't go to a store without hearing things you shouldn't hear. You have got to continue to pour in more and more and more of truth and righteousness. I'm not saying, listen, guard your heart though. You can't just say, well, it's going to happen. I just got to let, I just got to deal with it. Because the truth is, it is not an equal balance. You noticed we didn't have to pour much of that in before it clouded the pure. Wasn't much at all. And how much corruption can we receive into our hearts and it not affect our speech and our attitude and our outlook or ultimately our ministries? It's interesting, too, in the scriptures that turn to Psalm chapter 24, please. Clean hands and a pure heart are linked together. Now, again, it's, it's one of those things today, it seems, that in Christianity as a whole, there's a real emphasis of the heart. Everybody likes to talk about the heart. We don't want to keep it clean, but we want to talk about it a lot. It's an amazing thing. The very people who will tell you so vehemently that God looks at the heart, they're the ones that have no real separation from the world. That's kind of crazy to me. How is it that you can look on nakedness and it doesn't affect you because you're such a good Christian, but it affects me? Is it just because I think so much of the flesh and not enough of the heart? You're telling me that your eyes are not affected by that any more than, that le- your eyes are not affected by that like mine are? You can listen to the wrong music and it's not going to affect you negatively, but it will affect me negatively? Well, you put way too much emphasis on the exterior. You should be focusing on the heart. Hey, listen, I have no problem with that. That's why we're talking about the heart tonight. But let me tell you something, you got to put some guards up because every time you look at something you shouldn't look at, you listen to something you shouldn't listen to, and you expose yourself to something that is ungodly or unchristlike, then let me tell you, it only corrupts the heart. Because the eye gate and the ear gate go right into the heart. So they're tied together. You really can't separate them, at least not biblically. Notice what it says in Psalm 24, verse 3. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? And I know, a Bible scholar is going to tell me that's Old Testament. It has nothing to do with the New Testament Christian. Whatever. Okay. So, adultery's okay today, because it was in the Old Testament, in the Ten Commandments. Murder's all right today, because it was in the Ten Commandments. We're Christians, and we can handle it now. No, he restates all of them except keep the Sabbath in the book of, of, of Romans. Therefore, there's obviously something to do with this exterior outward. And let me tell you, the reason why he's still concerned about it is because what we permit in our eye gate, in our ear gate, and in other senses to go into our life, they're not just going into our life, they're going into our heart. And it's corrupting our hearts. And that's why he says, so clearly, keep thy heart with all diligence, because out of it are the issues of life. Watch this in Psalm 24. Who shall ascend up into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that 
It's not one or the other, it's both. The emphasis is on, the idea, I should say, is on the fact that we're in the hill of God or in the presence of God. You want to get into the presence of God, it's not just going to be your idea of what a clean heart is. You need clean hands and a clean heart. Why? Because they work together. Without clean hands, you'll have no clean heart. But if you don't have a clean heart, you won't have clean hands. It works together. Work on your heart, yes, but you can't neglect the hands. But if I fix only the hands, I may have a very corrupt heart. It's, you got to work on both. It's not one or the other. There's balance. The heart determines what we are and therefore what we do. Turn to Matthew chapter 15. Verse 18, the heart determines what we are and therefore what we do. Okay, so as I just made that statement, let's talk about that for just a second. What, what do you think the hands of this guy or gal are going to do? What do you think the hands of this guy or gal will do? Do you think they'll be different? Why? Because the heart is different. The heart affects the action. The heart, of, of, of the heart affects the, 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 the perspective and the attitude and outlook. Notice what he says in Matthew 15, 18. The Lord Jesus is speaking. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. In Matthew 12, verse 35, he says, A good man out of the good treasures of, his, of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasures bringeth forth evil things. So again, it's pretty clear that good things come forth from the man right here that's heart is pure and clean. Evil things come out of this. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. And it doesn't matter how long you've successfully lived the Christian life purely. The moment you start exposing yourself to the world, the flesh, and the devil, the moment you allow yourself to view, hear, and, get in, and, and, and expose yourself to the things of, that are not biblical and scriptural, it will corrupt you. I don't care if for 30 years you've been a pure, clean Christian as a whole. It only takes a short time to start to muddy the water. And if you're not careful, it can ultimately go south real quick. And go south real quick. It, that, that's, why, that's why Solomon, or the psalmist, I should say, that's, the, I mean Solomon in the book of Proverbs, simply says, keep thy heart with all diligence. Because it can go south real quick. There's an old adage that that, that we used to use quite often. And it spoke of data that was entered into a computer or possibly food that even into the body. It says, garbage in, garbage out, right? You know, you've heard that kind of statement. You've heard it said. Because the heart plays such a vital role in our happiness, 
there are a number of warnings concerning the heart and the Word of God. The Bible warns us to avoid some things. One, avoid a double heart. We talked about that at our men's uh, outing on Friday. We talked about that in the Go Rally on Saturday morning. They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering, uh, with, excuse me, uh, with flattering lips, with a double heart do they speak. A double heart. You, 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 don't, you don't want a double heart. A hard heart. You've got to avoid a hard heart. In Proverbs 28, 14, Happy is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. You've got to keep a tender heart. Don't harden your heart. You want to be happy, he says, listen, you need to avoid a double heart, a hard heart. You need to avoid a proud heart. According to Proverbs 21, 4, the Bible says, a high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. You got to avoid an unbelieving heart. In Hebrews 3, 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You got to avoid a cold heart. He says in the book of Matthew 24, 12, he says, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You've got to avoid an unclean heart. I mean, think about David. David said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. And if we listen closely, we can hear the psalmist in Psalm chapter 139, verse 23 say, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Well, that's a, that's a scary prayer, isn't it? Know my heart, God. Lift the veil on my heart. Expose me for who and what I am. Reveal the true me. Wow. Sir Walter Raleigh, he was one of Britain's great sea captains in the days of Queen Elizabeth I. He was a fearless adventurer. He was a great favorite of the queen. But unfortunately, she no longer remained king, and James I took over as her successor, and he did not like Sir Walter Raleigh. And so... In the end, the king condemned Sir Walter Raleigh to death. The executioner, who was very sympathetic toward him, who took no joy, obviously, in the task, hoping to ease the sailor's last moments, the executioner told Sir Walter how to place his head on the block to ensure a swift decapitation. The prisoner thanked him. And he said... It matters little to be, friend, whether or not the head is right, so long as the heart is right. That's something. So long as the heart is right. I want you to think about that. Is it no, there's no wonder then that we need a new heart. Because the old one's in a real mess, Right? I mean, the natural man is deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. That heart is deceitful. It's desperately wicked, according to Jeremiah 17, 9. David, he asked the Lord to create a clean heart within him, as we read in Psalm 51, 10. 
Why? Because the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That, that new covenant that's spoken of in the scriptures involves God having written a law in their hearts in Jeremiah chapter 31, 33. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. And will be their God and they shall be my people. The heart. If we hope to have a good life, to live a good life, then there are some key ingredients. Even as you must use certain ingredients to bake a cake, if you want to have a good life, you have to use certain ingredients. And the first one is a clean heart. Out of it come the issues of life. See, the heart affects every area of our lives. Every attitude, action, and appetite can be traced back to the heart. So important is the heart that we're admonished to keep it and to keep it diligently. And that's why we must cautiously and carefully guard what we permit into the eye gate, to the ear gate, which plays such a significant role in what enters our heart. We'll talk about other ingredients along the way, but a pure heart, a clean heart. I want you just to remember as you look uh, at the front of the room and you see two pictures of hearts. One that has allowed the eye gate, the ear gate, and the mind to wander. And the other that brought into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and made a covenant with their eyes and chose to not listen to certain things they know did not please and honor Christ. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. How important is it that today we possess a clean heart? Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to our, our hearts today. That, Lord, you'd reveal to us areas of need. Lord, uh, are we allowing influences into our life that ultimately corrupt and even will bring destruction if we're not careful? Are we allowing things into our eye gate and our ear gate and other uh, senses that would, would possibly cause us to suffer, might cost us our happiness, wreck and ruin our lives in the future? Because, Lord, it appears at first that it's not really that big a deal. And, Lord, we can even become kind of used to that kind of image or that kind of attitude. But, Lord, the truth is, is that we need to compare it to you, your Son, who is perfect and holy and righteous, and strive to be clean. Not just on the outside, but first and foremost on the inside. Oh, God, do your work in our hearts. Reveal to us sin that needs confessed. And Lord, may we, if we have influences in our life that are not producing a Christ-like spirit and attitude and not adding to our purity and not increasing us in our faith, may we, Father, identify them and remove them so that we can remain having a clean heart. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand every head.